All right. Well, welcome to another ATF Magazine podcast. I am super excited to have a, a good buddy of mine um, on the show today. Uh, we've been trying to connect for quite a while. Uh, we've, we've run together several times. Uh, we're both super busy with business. So uh, just like uh, all, all busy, uh, driven individuals are, you know, we can go three days or three years and uh, it's still just like yesterday. But I'm here today with Ernie Medina. Um, he is uh, the owner and chief instructor of TRB Training. Um, they're doing a bunch of cool things. Uh, Ernie's got a, a, a very interesting background, and he's applied that um, to chasing his own uh, American dream. And uh, and he is, uh, I, I would say, he is exceeding in accomplishing that mission as he has uh, accomplished many missions in the past. Um, so welcome to the show, Ernie. Thank you, and thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. No, no, no. It's it's uh, it's my pleasure. So um, so before we get started, we always kick it off with um, uh, uh, usually uh, usually easy questions. Um, so and it's the same three questions. And and there's a reason why we always ask these, uh, you know, beyond our name. So uh, first question is and then the next two will be obvious. Um, do you remember your first experience with alcohol? Yes. Yes, I do. And then I uh, don't remember the last half of that night. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So so quickly, what was that story? How old were you? What what was what was the story surrounding that experience? Yeah. So actually, it was just before my 21st birthday, believe it or not. And uh, my sister back in Jersey uh, took me out for my birthday, so to speak. And um, she was just feeding me drinks all night. She was it wound up being my babysitter, honestly. Uh, but uh, we were in Hoboken, New Jersey, uh, tearing oh up uh, Washington Street, which I believe you might be familiar yep. with. Yep. And uh, we hit a bunch of different bars. And I don't know about, about you, but like the first time you encounter alcohol, the first maybe nine or 10 drinks, you're like, this is nothing. I don't yeah. feel anything. Right. And then all of a sudden, it hits you all at once. Well, drink exactly. number drink number one hits you. Yeah, drink number one hits you, but delayed, and right. it did just that. And yeah. it was just a night to remember and a night to forget. Essentially, um, I remember. Uh, I think I I got fifteen or sixteen uh, drinks deep that night, and Ooh. yeah, no. I, and by the way, just you know, I, I kept all of uh, my cookies in. And nice sister, by the way. Oh yeah, she was great. She was totally <laughs> enabling this, and she was like, "Yeah, go, dude." I was hitting on girls. I was I was doing things that I probably shouldn't. Fearless, have. yeah. Fearless. She was, the, she was the best asking. version of you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I love the best it. and the worst. <laughs> thank, thank, thank God it was before smartphones and and uh, videos, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, so then you know where this is going, and and mm -hmm. I, you know, there there's been nobody that I've asked that hasn't experienced this, but I know you're a, a a veteran, a former U.S. Marine. Um, mm -hmm. So what was your first experience with tobacco? First experience with tobacco um, had to be uh, my first cigar. I never yeah. smoked cigarettes growing up or anything like that. Uh, but my, my first cigar was in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Uh, we were in the field. And I'm trying yeah. to uh, remember this. We were in the field. We we're sitting around uh, after we'd you know, done our, our range stuff for the night. Me and a bunch of lieutenants and a couple of the, the COs and captains were just uh, having a cigar. And some of us are, are sharing a cigar. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, you know, I'm thinking, do you inhale? Do you not inhale? Like, I'm a total right. new, right? And, of course, you know, this is the butt of, of a few jokes. And uh, so, you know, my, my fellow uh, uh, Marines were just teaching me how to, how to smoke a cigar. And, yeah, it was my first encounter. Uh, it wasn't the best encounter. Right? <laughs> it but, never is. Right. So, but then, of course, uh, repetition uh, begets a little acquisition of taste right. uh, from there. But I would say that uh, my taste for cigars came when I was stationed in South America and I could get access to, well, all the good stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then uh, and then last question is, uh, what was your first firearms experience? First firearms experience where I actually shot a firearm uh, was actually in uh, my boot camp training. So in uh, my plebe summer over at the Naval Academy, um, where is our boot camp, uh, that was the first time I ever shot a firearm. It was a Breda 92 or M9. 
uh, and uh, we were there uh, as part of the uh, the training. And I tell you, the first time I shot a gun, I stunk. Uh, and in fact, I will tell on myself that the first time that we we qualified that that uh, time, I failed. I absolutely failed. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, you've well, you've come a long way. <laughs> I, yeah, I have. <laughs> You know, I, I always ask this because, um, you know, no, no matter what our age is or what else we've done in life, what industry we're in, for some reason, you know, the second I ask those questions, everybody immediately smiles. And then they, they immediately remember every single detail associated with that. And, and it's, it's kind of why we put together this magazine, you know, is because I think um, these things in a lot of ways are synonymous with America right it's mm -hmm. it's synonymous with our brand um you know we've uh you know we've spilled blood we've we've you know battled over these things we continue to battle over the rights of these things mm -hmm. um they're very polarizing everybody has an opinion about them um you know which is which is kind of the foundation of america right is is having that freedom um to engage or to have an opinion and not engage um, mm -hmm. to judge, to do whatever it happens to be. And those are the, the freedoms that we continue to fight for. So cool. I, I, I love walking back on memory lane a little bit because um, everybody's got an interesting story relating to all three of those. And, and they all seem to be, um, for men especially, women are the smarter species, clearly. Uh, but for guys, you know, I, I remember as a kid, like, you know, it, it always seemed to be alcohol, tobacco and firearms that you know, from five, six, seven years old, it was like, I was just dying to get my hands on it. Cause I'd see right. the grownups, you know, sitting around looking cool, like the guys in the movies and, you know, smoking or drinking or shooting guns. And it was just like, man, someday I want to do that. And, right. you know, just that rush to, to, you know, being a, being a grown up. So everybody, everybody remembers. Absolutely. So, um, so you mentioned uh, New Jersey, Hoboken. Um, tell me quickly about your family and your upbringing. Yeah, so uh, I hail from uh, from Jersey. I was originally born in New York, uh, raised in Jersey City, uh, New Jersey. Um, I'm uh, one of four kids. Uh, I have a sister who's still in Jersey now. I have a, a sister who is in um, the People's Republic of San Francisco. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> she's the black sheep of the four. Uh, yep. and, uh, and then I have a brother, uh, who recently moved to, uh, North Dakota. Nice. Um, yeah. And, uh, so, uh, grew up in, uh, in Jersey really, uh, as a city boy. Um, I really didn't get much, like I had never been hunting. I had never smoked anything, you know, that kind of thing. I really didn't get my taste of like, I guess, manliness until I, I entered service in, uh, in the military. Um, but, uh, grew up there. Uh, went to high school in, in Jersey City and then uh, went off to the uh, Naval Academy in Maryland. And, and that's really where kind of like my eyes opened to like, what else is out there? <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Well, tell me about that. Like what um, what prompted you to, to join um, the military? Well, um, I I've always been in something regimented. So growing up in, in Jersey, uh, I, I started martial arts when I was uh, six years old in 87. Um, and I'd always been in something uh, regimented like that. And it was very militaristic in that sense, had very strong uh, uh, instructors and, and teachers like that. Uh, and I gravitated and thrived in that kind of uh, environment. Um, and I knew from my dad serving in, uh, in the Vietnam timeframe from 68 to 70, uh, and my, my brother also uh, serving in the Navy, um, that I wanted to, uh, to do that. Plus I've always been, ever since I was a little kid, I've always been fascinated with military stuff, you know, GI Joes and this and that, right? Yeah. Like totally my bag. And so, uh, that's, that's what really prompted me to, uh, to, to serve. So, so you, you went into the Naval Academy, you, you didn't just go down to a recruiting office and, uh, and, and be subject to great marketing and videos and say, I want to do that. Uh, well, yes, I, I did. did. I yeah. did. Um, but I also uh, looked into things like, you know, the Naval Academy and other things. In fact, I, I also looked into uh, ROTC. A um, little uh, fun fact is I was actually, um, when I applied for a ROTC scholarship, I got denied. But then I got uh, uh, into the Naval Academy 
what gives. Go figure, <laughs> right? Right. So, uh, so, so yeah, I did look at other things. I did uh, talk with an army recruiter. Uh, I did uh, look at other things. So I wasn't just looking at uh, the, the, the Navy or the Marine Corps or the Army. In fact, what pushed me in the direction of the Marine Corps was one of my martial arts instructors, uh, who today is a really, really good friend and mentor. Uh, he uh, retired as a master gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps. But when I was training with him and I expressed interest, um, he, he's like, let, let me show you the way, son, <laughs> and, and gravitated me towards uh, the Marine Corps. And that's, that's what made me want to go Navy Marine Corps team, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So how, how, was your, how was your time in the military? You know, uh, it, was, it was interesting. Some of the greatest times of my life, some of the toughest times of my life, um, and some of the things I, like personal growth off the charts. Uh, and I experienced some, a lot of things uh, while I was there and really taught me uh, that there's more out there. It taught me a lot about uh, life, how to be a man how to uh, work with other people uh, and just all these things. It just opened my eyes to really what the world is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so then um, you decided not to make a career out of that. You yeah. exited um, the military. Yes. And, uh, and what'd you do then? Because you didn't jump right into, you know, following suit and starting your business. No, no, no. Actually, um, you know, it was funny. I was was deciding what do I do, right? Uh, and uh, at one point I was actually in, uh, in the process of applying to be a police officer. So I was actually in that kind of pro uh, process and, and that didn't uh, uh, come to fruition. Um, and then the other thing was I actually uh, started my own practice as a financial advisor with uh, Northwestern Mutual, um, which I still actually have today. So I actually have uh, three businesses, a TRB is one of them, but uh, started a practice with Northwestern Mutual uh, and, and did that and done that really for 11 years now. Uh, but it was about year four or five that I realized that, you know, I, I always say I sold my soul to the devil. Uh, and I, I sold out for um, what people thought or what say being a married man uh, should do you know, make money, uh, have nice things. The OC Wear a suit, suit, drive a sedan, have a exactly. cool watch. Exactly. Yeah. And and in the heart of hearts, that's, that's not me. Um, right. And it was funny because, you know, growing up as a, in high school, I, I would always joke around with my friends and even my mom, like, oh, I don't want to become a yuppie or anything like that. Right. And, and, I, and I, I wake up one day and I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like, I've become what I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I sought out to change that. And I, I started TRB because that's where my heart is. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we, we met actually, um, you know, way, way, way back. And I mm -hmm. remember when you started TRB and, yeah. you know, you talked about it very passionately and you had this vision and, you know, I mean, number one, you know, starting a firearms training company in Southern California. Um, you know, the, the most, you know, calming state in the nation. You know, right, I, check my temperature, I mean, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, dude, what are you doing? You know, you're making a great living over here and you want to go over here and, and teach, you know, a bunch of California liberals, um, mm -hmm. you know, how to shoot guns, like, you know, good luck. And, you know, the, the limited number of places we can even shoot guns, the limited number of guns we can even own. Oh, yeah. Like I could go on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you just took that, uh, you know, that Marine attitude of, Hey, you know, it's a hill, let's conquer it, screw right. it. Right. And, uh, you just willed it to be, and here we are. Right. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what, what your initial vision for, for TRB was, you know, like, so you're sitting there in your suit, in your yuppie condo, driving your yuppie car. And, you know, you're probably sipping like a freaking martini or something at the end of a long day of financial planning. Right. And right. you think, man, you know, I, I, I miss my combat boots and I, I miss rolling around in the dirt and hey, let's let's start a training company. So what what was that vision and what did you imagine it to be, um, you know, before you even started it? Yeah. Uh, well, it started out actually as a, a side gig and, and really was subconsciously an escape from my marriage at the time. 
Um, and it was something I was doing on the weekends. And uh, at about 2018, I believe, yeah, 2018, I believe, um, it, it flipped over into full board. That's my vision. And the vision was to uh, provide training that was above and beyond what we see uh, out in the marketplace today. I just get so frustrated, and perhaps uh, you as well, is that um, there's a lot of great trainers out there. There's a lot of not so great trainers out there, but there's a lot of instruction here in say California. That's like your granddaddy's NRA. It's like, here, Timmy, let me just, you know, keep the uh, fire loaded and put it in a box when you're not using it. And yeah, you can hit six inches away from your intended target. You're doing great. And right. I just shake my head. <laughs> right. And, and I'm just like, there's so much more to this. And that's not the standard. That's not where what we should be celebrating. And so my vision with that was to take practical application, to take what I know from uh, serving the military, from my uh, practice as a martial artist, and my knowledge about uh, firearms, and believe it or not, uh, just a knowledge about overall like physics and how things work, um, right. and take all those things together and bring uh, raise the bar on standards and training uh, to your average Joe because they can do it and they want it. It's just, it's not available. Or right. at the time it wasn't available. Well, yeah. I, I mean, we talked a, a lot about that because, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, a big believer in, you know, the 10,000 hour concept or 10,000 repetitions or, or um, you know, that, that you have to develop muscle memory because in a panic situation, you're already thinking about environment and situation and threat and, you know, everything else. And, and you don't need to be thinking about fundamentals of how to defend yourself. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there, there are a, a variety of trainers out there. Um, you know, a, a lot of them try to be tactical. They have no fundamental background and they just, you know, because they put on a vest, um, you know, they're the guy. Right. Um, and, and that results in a lot of bad experiences and a lot of bad lessons. You know, it seems like the other extreme is, is a lot of very, very, very well-trained elite military. Nice. Um, with that, you know, there is absolutely no discounting their skills or their training or the lessons they have to teach. But, um, you know, in a civilian, residential, you know, typical civilian threat scenario, um, I don't necessarily know how applicable some of these lessons are. And, and honestly, like I even see, you know, a lot of our LEO going through trainings like that, and they're struggling even to grasp, you know, the the strategy and the conceptual understanding of the application that's being taught, right. because it it's it is just so unique. And until you're in that situation yourself, um, you know, it's hard to understand that. So what I love most about your training is number one. Um, you're a stickler for fundamentals, which as a former Marine going through boot camp, I'd expect no less. Um, but, but also it's, it's very, um, realistic, practical, um, drills and applications that would relate to what a typical person could encounter. Right. Right. And that's, so yeah, go ahead. No. And that's, and that's the thing is that, um, take the knowledge of, of what can be done on this extreme and, uh, and how do we take those fundamentals and apply it to what your everyday person is unfortunately going to encounter and, and show them that, you know, it's somewhere in the middle, right? Uh, that right. we don't have to be crazy, you know, special forces guy. Uh, but at the same time, we can apply some of that knowledge and apply it to what unfortunately folks may encounter. Well, and, and, you know, that, that's a, that's a good segue. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting time in America and, and it seems like, um, you know, depending on who you're surrounded by, um, you're, you're that, that gut instinct that hopefully we're all born with and hopefully hasn't been, um, beat out of us or trained out of us, or, you know, I, I, I do see some dogs that are so domesticated, they don't even seem like a dog anymore. They seem like a little baby or something. Right. Um, right. But my dog, my dog's a German Shepherd. So my dog still has a lot of instinct. And, uh, 
and I'd like to think I still have a lot of instinct and, and, you know, I just kind of walk around, I listen, I, I, I watch and my gut instinct says, um, things are getting a lot more tense. People mm-hmm. seem angry. People yes. seem impatient. Yes. Um, they, they all seem much closer to that breaking point. And, and you see, um, you know, in a lot of scenarios, the slightest little thing sets the spark that causes the explosion, right? And, and the morning news in urban areas all across the nation, you know, now is akin to the daily body count, right? Like we might as well be at a time of war where, you know, we're, we're given the daily body count, you know, of troops lost. Right. Um, and, and that's in a lot of areas, that's, that's what it feels like. But, you know, the scariest thing is, you know, I think the false sense of security that some people in urban situations um, or, you know, even rural situations, they believe they're insulated from that because, oh, my neighborhood's nice. Or, oh, I live behind a gate, you know, a gated community or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And, and I think to me, my gut instinct says, man, you know, like I'm, you know, I carry 24 seven. Um, that doesn't mean that I walk around, you know, waiting for the apocalypse. I, I don't believe we need to prep. I don't believe, you know, I, I need to load up the truck right now and head to the mountains with, uh, you know, two years worth of food. But, um, but I can tell you, it feels like the odds of getting into some sort of a conflict or being um, a person that has the capability of helping somebody else. Um, those odds are increasing. What do you What do you think? I think uh, you're spot on with with a lot of what you said. I mean, I think there's a lot of frustration uh, from all different sides, right? I think there for the the people like you and me, um, we are highly frustrated because the concept of of honor and integrity, doing the right thing, is lost, and that frustrates us, right? Right. Um, at the same time. Uh, the, those that are coming behind us, so to speak, um, they're not being taught uh, discipline, watch your mouth, respect people. So they're very much so apt that at the, at the drop of anything, they will say something or do something that will, will then beget more uh, intensity or violence, right? Um, right? And then you have the people that are caught in the, in the middle, let's just say, that are like, I'm just trying to live my life, but then I've got lawlessness around me and the, my tax dollars that are supposed to keep me safe. Cause you know, I'm supposed to have a cop on every corner. They're not there. Oh, or if they're, they are there, then they're not uh, allowed to do their job. Right. Uh, so there's that frustration of those in the middle. So now everybody is on like walking on eggshells. It's on, they're on high alert and you have everything that I just mentioned. You have an increased amount of drug use. So you have uh, people that are doing those things and, you know, I, I, I'm surprised. They're out of their mind. Right. Yeah. I'm surprised if I ever go to a gas station and I don't see a tweaker, right. <laughs> you know, right. um, it's, it's a rarity. Uh, but that's the thing is that, that the, the pot has been stirred to the point where people of all different types, uh, call them good, call them bad, call them whatever, we're all frustrated in our own way, depending on the lens that we look through. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good point. And, you know, so, you know, so taking that, you know, steps further, you know, like whether, whether we live in, you know, California or, you know, rural Kentucky, um, you know, I, I think, you know, for me, the same premises, it has always been the case. Like, I always try to think ahead, to plan ahead, to be prepared. Um, you know, we, we all make sure that we have a spare tire on the car. Um, we make sure that, you know, we've got a bottle of water, you know, in reserve, right? Like I hope everybody does these basic things. Um, you know, you you have some, some extra money in the bank account as a reason day fund, you know, we plan for retirement. Hopefully, you know, people think and plan ahead. Right. Um, you know, so, so with this, you know, one of the areas of your, um, training organization that, you know, has, has become, I know, you know, a rapidly growing portion of what you do in training is CCW. 
Right. Um, and that's, you know, and in California, that's especially unique. There's other states that make that much, much easier. Right. Um, you know, on, on, honestly, in a lot of states, it's it's uh, it's easier than us registering our car in California. I know this uh, from experience. Right. Um, but nevertheless, it is um, good law abiding citizens, um, you know, pursuing legally their right to um, to conceal carry and defend themselves, um, you know, beyond the borders of their their home. Mm -hmm. um, so so tell us a little bit about, you know, your experience with, you know, especially Californians, which is interesting. Um, and, and I do know this segment of your business is growing very quickly. So tell me what just generally you know what are what are people saying what are people feeling who are coming to you saying hey i want to get my ccw and then once they get it once you help them get it um you know what have you experienced on the back end of right. um, of their experience in terms of continuing their training and becoming comfortable with that firearm right well uh people come to us because there's a lot of times there is this this uh Fear, if I can say, of like, how do I get this CCW in California, this unicorn of a thing? And and it's really actually not that hard, especially now. But if you live in, in uh, Orange County, LA County, and those, in those places, it's actually not that hard and hasn't been for, for quite some time. Uh, it's just a matter of, of the steps. So I won't bore you with the steps, but the, no. the hope that we, we get in the class um, by and large, they might say that they're there because, oh, I want to, you know, protect my family and so on. They'll give you the on the surface, the diplomatic answer. Um, but but once we get past that, uh, I call the elephant in the room and I say, this is the reason why you're really here. And it's because you're on your way to the gym in the morning at 6 a.m. and you get accosted by a bunch of bad guys. You're, you're driving and mind your own business and a mob of people take over the intersection and try to rip you out of your car. Right, all the things that that people see to be true today, and it scares them, and they're driven to the class or to pursue their CCW yes. by by a legitimate fear of their own safety and their family's safety. Um, so, so that's what we well, see. It, I, I mean, I, I, another person I'm good friends with. I, I mean, he he refers to a firearm as the great equalizer, right? Mm -hmm. And and while you and a me, you know, may be able to defend ourselves hand to hand or whatever, we can look around and MacGyver together to, you know, to, to combat the situation. You know, if, you know, if your 75, 80 year old mom is home alone and two 22 year olds, you know, strong arm through the front door, right. um, you know, what, what do you expect mom to do exactly? I mean, if mom has access to a firearm now, all of a sudden it, it's closer to a fair fight. Um, and, and there is nothing else that you could put in mom's hand. Right. Um, that that would equip her to be able to defend herself and her home and, you know, whatever rest of the families in the house. So, um, you know, I assume you get women. I assume you get um, people that are are new to firearms. Um, you know, what's what's some of that experience like? We get people from uh, all different types and experience levels. We get men, we get women. Um, I bet you even get liberals. We, we do. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> we do. Um, actually, there was one gentleman in my class uh, not too long ago uh, that actually uh, was wearing a Biden hat in the uh, in the class, and it was kind of interesting. But you know, for me, I'm agnostic to all that. What I what I right. care about is that people there to train, and we take politics out of it. I have my own, of right. course. We take it out, but we get people from all walks of life, new men, women, and that kind of stuff. But you know, what's interesting is that. The way we do our class, we really like to, to uh, reinforce uh, the practical application before we even hit the range. Um, I make people dry fire the crap out of all the drills that we're going to do. So that way, when we get on the range, whether you're a newbie or an experienced person, um, we're all going to be doing this stuff uh, together. And I tell people, because I only have 16 hours with them, a two-day course, I tell people right from the beginning, what we cover in this class barely scratches the surface on what you should be uh, practicing or doing to properly carry that firearm outside the home, right? I only have you for 16 hours. And if, it were, if I had my way, I'd keep you five days. I'd train you 18 hours a day. I would starve you. I would make you sleepy yeah. and all that stuff and expect you to perform. But like they yeah. don't want to do that. 
but we we uh, get people to an equal playing field and give them uh, the practical tools to be successful just to carry that firearm safely. Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, you know, it's interesting, you know, just like you, um, you know, we all have a variety of friends, not, not everybody, you know, or, you know, has a, a guerrilla tactical background, you know, like right. us or anything. And, you know, people can, uh, you know, are, are always curious about that. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of people, I'm sure that even, you know, they go through your 16 hours, and then they kind of check the box and say, okay, I'm ready. Um, you know, I, I, I don't even have to ask you what you think about that because you and I share the opinion that, you know, I, I believe training and lessons never end. Correct. Um, I'm a lifelong student. Um, I will never, um, in my mind, by my definition, excel at anything, um, because there's always a new variable. There's always a new scenario. There's always a new drill, a new, you know, something, right? right. And, and also, you know, as time goes on, these are perishable skills. So, you know, even if I was still in my 20s, which I'm not, um, you know, you take a six month break from something, you're not as sharp as the day that you exited. Right? You've got to rebuild those skills, you've got to rebuild that muscle memory. So, you know, talk a little bit about your philosophy of kind of ongoing lifelong training and readiness. Um, it, this is just like anything else. Everything you said is absolutely spot on. It's perishable. Um, and if you're going to commit to the lifestyle of carrying concealed or carrying a, a, a firearm or whatever, right, then you should be committing to the, uh, the practice, the discipline of being able to employ that, that weapon effectively and safely uh, because you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your family, and you owe it to everybody around you. Um, so I always tell people in our class, you're only half as good as your worst range day in real life. So we all have good range days and bad. Uh, but if you take your absolute worst range day and the day that you say, Hey, I forget, I forgot how to shoot. And you cut that performance in half. That's how you're going to be in real life. And if that scares you good, keep training. Yeah. Well, it's, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. I had a, I had a, you know, buddy over a while back and, uh, you know, we were talking about, he, he's, he was new to CCW and, you know, was kind of, you know, sh- sharing our mindset that things are getting a little bit crazier and, you know, everything else. And this guy was, you know, he's, he, you know, he, he's thrown, you know, a good share of lead down range and, mm-hmm. you know, says that he goes the same range and he, you know, he's got this routine. It's, you know, part of his routine, you know, he works out, he this, he that, and once a week he goes to the range. And I said, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, three, seven, 15 paper targets, you know, inside the stall, controlled lighting, no rapid fire, you know, no holster draws, but you know, you're, you're throwing, you know, what, a hundred, 200 rounds a week, you know, down range. Yeah. I'm like, so you're ready. He's like, yeah. I said, you know, have, have you ever done, you know, a dry fire drill in the middle of the night while you're in your underwear in complete darkness while your gun is wherever you keep it at night and go through the exercise of clearing your entire house single man. And by the way, does your wife know what to do when you when you whisper out that code word of contact or whatever your word is? And does she know where to go with the kids? And do your kids know what to do? Have you turned that into a family exercise and drill, just like a fire drill or an earthquake drill or anything else? And have you gone through the scenario if you heard a downstairs window break, if you heard the garage, if the car alarm goes off, if you hear a noise upstairs, if right go through all these different scenarios and have you gone through that drill you know dozens enough times so that when you're awakened from a deep sleep and you shoot up in your bed and you know minutes feel like seconds Mm -hmm. and you feel like you have to jump to action right because in your mind you you know maybe that was the third or fourth noise maybe the first noise didn't wake you up um, like, have you gone through those drills? And, you know, this is a, a pretty proficient guy. He shot a lot of guns and he just kind of sat there with a straight face, like, um, shit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, well, you know what? Like paper targets don't shoot back at you. Right. You know, you're, I, I would guess your pulse rate doesn't even freaking move anymore when you're shooting at paper at seven yards. Right. right. 
so <laughs> so lay there in bed in the middle of the night and even if you want to do it when the family's out or something lay there and for at least two or three minutes close your eyes and using the power of your greatest imagination try to mentally put yourself in that mindset that oh shit somebody just broke into my freaking house yeah and and move through that house you know, with snap caps or laser or whatever it is that you want to use to dry fire drill and clear that house single man. And every time you step into a room and you go, shit, if he would have been in the closet or if he would have been under the bed or if he would have been behind this door, I'd be fucking dead right now. Then go back and start over. Get back in bed and do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again until you can clear that entire house, every angle, every door, with leaving yourself minimally exposed then move on to another drill now the car alarm went off now whatever you know somebody you know somebody came in during dinner and grabbed your wife like you know there's a million scenarios my imagination can come up with um, all the scenarios you just painted (laughs) have actually happened yeah what what do you what do you do if somebody tries to jack your car when you're pumping gas what do yeah. you do? Like, I, I mean, all these are totally possible things. Every single night on the news, they talk about that shit happening, right? All the time. All the time. Somebody, yeah. you know, get it, you know, tail, tail, you know, bumping you at a red light, and you think, oh, he just wasn't paying attention. Now he's just waiting for you to get out of your car so he can jack your car, or right. steal your purse, or you know, rip the Rolex off your wrist and go running down the street with it, or. Right. There's there's a million scenarios, unfortunately, now um, that we have to train and be ready for. Right. Right. And and the thing is, you will never be able to train every scenario. You just can't. No. Right. Um, and so what you need to do is first train your mindset. Right. Train right. your situational awareness. Uh, understand the the deep effects of fight or flight. And what that all entails, the, the, the physiological responses and things like that, because your your body chemistry and your ba- brain chemistry changes, physically changes in fight or flight and can either help you or absolutely hurt you, right? So those are like the first things. Then the fundamental things, great, I'm glad you can shoot straight. Can you shoot straight with your hands sweaty? Can you shoot straight uh, with, you know, uh, in the dark, in the dark, moving, right? A compromised position, right? Can you employ- have you ever shot in the dark? Correct. You know? Or can you employ that that super flashlight that you have on your on your gun that you bought because it thought it looked cool? Do you know how to employ that? Right. Well, so- and and even other stuff. You know, one of the things that I like about your your company is, you know, not only do you reinforce the value of training, but I think you give um, very practical um solutions to the training problem right i mean a lot of people you know especially in in urban areas you know if if they go at all they're thinking hey i've got to go to that indoor range and fire at seven yards and it's Mm got to be controlled two second you know in between every round and blah 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 right that's my only outlet for training and you know what we talk about you know i know and and you know it's probably your influence that you know has planted that seed in my head is you know you can train with anything anywhere you know you can even just mentally train without a firearm in your hand and and i'm constantly doing that is you know like okay i'm just walking down the sidewalk right now you know carrying chipotle to the car but (laughs) hey you know if somebody came up and grabbed my collar from behind you know what would i do right i've got a bag of food in my strong hand i carry on my strong side like you you have to think okay instinctually would i know to drop the food you know use the elbow to clear the hold on the shoulder while then i you know drop and and you know pull my weapon and create distance and and you know another drill that that i love doing at home i turn it into a game with the kids and of course i don't have my gun when i do this but you know but still it's closing distance and I think that's the other fallacy people have is that they think every engagement's going to start with 50 yards notice and that you're going to see this guy in slow motion from 50 yards away, yelling and, and threatening and everything else. And then he's going to slow motion, pull his weapon and wave it around and give you plenty of warning. 
Whereas, you know, my, my favorite drill to do with on, on the LEO side is, you know, giving, giving any rookie, you know, you, you pick the distance, you pick the distance and you say, go, you know, you tell me at what distance you feel safe from me and you can pick any distance you want. And it's your job. When we hear the timer go off, I'm going to start closing that distance and you need to draw. Okay. Go. You pick the distance. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, nobody picks enough distance because you can close distance in an insane amount of time. So like with the kids, you know, I'll, I'll back them up 25, 30 yards mm -hmm. and I'll say, you know, okay, daddy's got to get you before you get me go. And, you know, it, and, and, you know, I mean, I'm just pulling out my hand from, you know, the holster position, but still it's a game, but I'll tell you, even with two little kids, five and 11 year olds running at you. Like when you say go, you want to get them before they get you. Exactly. And, and it is amazing. You know, I mean, when you're wearing shirt out or your appendix carrying or your three o'clock carrying, or, you know, you throw on a jacket and a hoodie and you, you know, do whatever you're carrying, you know, your smaller versus your full size, like, you know, just getting that, you know, unconcealed draw to ready right. in that you know from the and, and that's even with notice when you're setting off the alarm saying go so right. most of the time you're going to lose a second to two and a half seconds just with your mind going holy shit is that guy really running at me with a freaking knife right now the state of denial absolutely this can't yeah. be happening i right. can't have <laughs> to pull out my weapon in this public situation and kill this guy in a 7-Eleven parking lot. Like, right. there's got to be another option right now, right? Right, exactly. And it's it's the same thing. I always tell people, it's like, think about it. You're cruising down the, the freeway and somebody does something stupid in front of you, uh, as we all know. You always, before you maneuver, you say, what the? And then <laughs> there's that time gap, right, of what the and then action. That's called denial. It's the same thing you just described. Right. Right. And, right. and how fast or not fast, we move through denial can either be the difference between us winning or losing. Well, and, and it's, you know, with, with a car, it's one thing because A, you know, that, and, and that's kind of always the, the, the equation. Like, you know, um, you know, I, I say like every one of us trains to muscle memory every single day, right? You don't think about, oh, this, this is how I turn and this is how I break and this is how, because we all have 10,000 hours behind the wheel. So mm -hmm. that, that time of processing denial action, right, is, is milliseconds in most cases, but it does, you do go through that process. Oh yeah. Now, now how long does the process take to somebody inexperienced with a mm -hmm. firearm? Much longer. And, and, and inexperienced with assessing um, flight or flight, um, processing adrenaline, um, assessing life and death situations you're like is this something that i can de-escalate in the next second and a half before he reaches me um does he really intend on killing me like if i pull out my gun and i kill this guy in the parking lot oh my god like i'm gonna get arrested i'm yeah. gonna go to jail <laughs> like what if i'm found guilty for murder yeah. like what if what if their family sues me and i lose everything that i have like yeah. may, maybe you know, maybe I should just let him stab me and maybe he won't kill me. Right. <laughs> like, right. All these things in milliseconds run through your mind. Yes. If you haven't trained every possible scenario, right. um, you know, at least mentally, if not physically as well. Right. And, and all it is at the end of the day, it is all about freeing up mental bandwidth. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because if, the, the act of drawing your firearm and things like that be, uh, take up mental bandwidth, you now have less mental bandwidth to make good right. decisions, right? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So all this stuff, all your physical skills should be to the point where they are mindless, thereby freeing up that mental bandwidth so you can assess the situation and make good decisions, right? Because not all the situations are going to be exactly how you trained it. So you need to be able to adapt some of those things. And part of like, it's kind of funny, you said this earlier about uh, training, it doesn't have to be at the range, you're absolutely right. Um, so something that you can do is simply training scenarios and just talking through them. 
So like, say for, uh, you know, me and my significant other, or say you and the kids or you and the wife, right? Um, you can say, all right, so you're driving in your car, you get accosted by a mob. What do you do? Go tell me what you do. Right. Well, as, as sick and bad parenting as this may be, like, you know, and I don't think any of our audience will be appalled, but, it, you know, I mean, if this lives and, and certain audiences hear it, they'll be appalled at my parenting. But <laughs> anytime I sit down with my family in a public place, you know, at, at a restaurant, a movie oh, yeah. theater or anything, and my kids are five and 11, and I've been yeah. doing it since, you know, my first daughter was probably three or four. Yeah. Um, I, I say, okay, so how many exits are there in this building? How many people do you think there are in this room? Um, if if somebody comes out of the bath, a bad guy comes out of the bathroom, what would you do? If a bad guy came through that door, if two bad guys came through that door, that door, what would you do? Right. And and we it, it's a game, you right. know, and, and as and, and as sad as that is, because believe me, I hear myself. I hear that. I think about that. It's just like, good Lord almighty, like. Why should I have to do that? Why should I have to steal that innocence from my children to have them think about these horrible things? Right. Because they're, they, they are remote possibilities, but I'm not willing to gamble with my life or my family's life on the slim chance that I beat the odds. Because you look at my life, odds are, if, if there is a one in a hundred chance that some bad shit's gonna fall on my head, it's gonna fall on my head. Like that's just, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, the only way I know is the hard way, right? Right, so, right, right. Um, so I don't know, you know, like, I, I, I think that it, it's obviously a personal, um, it's a personal decision, right? It, you know, as to how far you go with it, um, what your mindset is about all of this. But, you know, I, I view it the same way as a spare tire. Um, exactly. Yeah, you know what? There's AAA. You know, at this point, you know, like why why the f do we still have the weight? You know, with the price of gas and everything else, why the fuck do we still have spare tires? Just call AAA. Well, you know right. what? You know, like if if Wendy's can't hire enough people to flip the burgers, I bet tow truck companies are having a hard time too. Yeah. And you know what? If my car gets a flat on you know I-15 from Vegas to Orange County, and it's 113 out there. And you know what? I could be sitting in the middle of the freaking desert and die from heat before AAA shows up to tow my car somewhere. So you know what? I better have a solid spare tire. I better know how to change it. Right. Um, and, that, and that's the thing is like a lot of times we do um, room clearing and CQB type classes as well. Uh, actually integrated into some of our advanced CCW classes. But uh, people always challenge us and say, Why? Why do you teach that? You shouldn't be clearing a house by yourself and this and that. Why do you even need to know that? And I, and I always tell them, you know what? You're right. I don't want to clear my house by myself. It's a dumb move. But you never know when you have to. But let's just say a loved one's inside there and you got no choice, first of all. Second of all, how can you appreciate the suckage of clearing a house by yourself if you've never actually tried the techniques and, and understand and appreciate how difficult it is right so to 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 say like why would you want to train that or in the case of the triple a example why would you even need to learn how to uh, change a tire well what if i have no choice i i, I refuse to be helpless i refuse to not have yes. this option right yeah absolutely like I, I mean if i get a flat yeah sure probably the first thing i'll do is call triple a and see what the eta is like you know i yeah I, I mean, I don't enjoy changing tires. I don't enjoy, you know, clearing houses by myself. Right. I don't enjoy clearing three-story staircases ever, no matter how many men I have. Exactly. Right? No, like, that's a bad day. Right. But you know what? Sometimes you got to go up the fucking staircase. Right. And, and if you do, you, you know, it'd be helpful if that wasn't your first time attempting to do it because you'll probably be dead. So, I mean, right. um, so, so, I mean, that's, that's my approach towards everything. It's why, why I especially appreciate your style of training. Um, because you said it, you said it best. I think there's a lot to be learned, um, from military and special forces applications, fundamentals, um, foundations, but, but you do an excellent job of spinning those into you know, more civilian digestible applications. Yeah. And, and 
and that's that's what we try to do is we if i can say this because on the on the one extreme we have your like i always said your granddaddy's nra which is placating some people i think and then you have on the other uh, end of the spectrum the great people that have done all the tactical stuff um and some uh, basically the majority of people are in the middle and they can't relate with right. either so right. we just like to take the information and present it in a way that is relatable uh, to people and and just working with them in that way, as opposed to getting caught up in our ego in one way and say, oh, you can't do it as fast as I can. You're worthless. That's not true. Right. Um, right. You know, so so without the ego, with the humility of just like, hey, we're just people like you. We're just trying to do the right thing. And yes, you can do these advanced things if you apply yourself and you put in the sweat but you can do right this. right 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 i i absolutely love it so um so where can people get uh, more information about you and uh and i'm sure if we have a groundswell of interest uh all over the nation in major cities now all of a sudden you're uh, you're on a plane and you're doing trainings well uh, on the latter i'd be absolutely excited uh, but uh, on the first question, uh, certainly people can look us up online at our website, which is uh, trbtraining.com. Uh, and all of our, our contact information uh, is there. Uh, you can also look us up on the various affiliated websites from USCCA, NRA, and, uh, and places like that. Uh, so that's uh, where you can find our contact information, the things that we do, and, and who we are. That's awesome. And I assume you're on social media as well, and people yes. can follow you there. Yes, uh, and uh, we are our, our handle on Instagram uh, is TRB uh, Training. Uh, our YouTube is Tap Right Thing uh, Training. So if you go into any of the social medias and put TRB Training or Tap Right Thing Training, we're going to pop up. And we do have a YouTube channel uh, that is a lot of fun. We do a lot of videos. We drop a video every Tuesday, uh, whether it be a training tip, a gear review, uh, or something that uh, is a tip for help to help people get better or uh, to take a look at their firearms or get gear and things like that. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, we've got a lot of cool things on that YouTube channel. That's awesome. We, uh, we'll, we'll actually, uh, we, we haven't talked about this. I'll blindside you, but, uh, maybe <laughs> we'll work out something to, uh, be able to, uh, post those up on ATF plus as well. Sure. So, we also uh, have, uh, forgive me for interrupting, but we mm. also have, um, our IG live every Monday night at 7 PM, uh, Pacific time. Uh, me and one of my guys, Brendan, we jump on IG Live and we change up topics every week. Uh, and we talk about, just informally, we talk about certain things. We goof around a little bit. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm usually drinking whiskey and talking about I guns. Love it. And it's, I it's love it. <laughs> so, hey, pop, pop, pop a cigar in your mouth while you're doing it. You there got you the go. trifecta, buddy. I there love you it. Go. There you go. I All will. right. Well, listen, Ernie. I, uh, I can't thank you enough for sharing time with us and, uh, and sharing your message and all the good work that you're doing out there. Um, I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing for America. I love that you're pursuing your American dream. Um, so keep up the good work, my man. And uh, there's no doubt uh, we'll, we'll have, you, have you on again. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thanks for the time today.